will Father, as we look into the Word of God this morning, I pray that you would be free by your Spirit to speak to us. And you know that in all of these theaters and all the folks that are, that are here and the families that are represented, that there's been a lot of life lived in the last week, a lot of difficulties that have been faced, a lot of hurt, a lot of uncertainty. There's been some victories this last week, too, and there's been some times where we've just looked and realized that it could only be you who's, who's done what's happened in our lives, and we say thank you for that. For those who are facing those uncertainties, the pain and the hurt, Lord, would you, by your Spirit, encourage their hearts this morning. We know that as we open the Word of God that you'll speak to us by your Spirit, and You have different things that you want to say to different ones of us. And so my prayer, my heart, is that it wouldn't be my words that are heard at all this morning, but it would be yours. We ask that the word of God would fulfill its promise, which is that it will never return void. That it's always alive and powerful and and speaks into our heart and touches the very center of, of us as people. We're so thankful for that. Your God is alive and powerful and real and wants to meet us in the middle of everything that we face and that we know. So God, use this time that we have together for your glory and for your intention. And uh, we'll, we'll praise you because you deserve it because you're God. Thanks for your son. Meet with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. It's great to have an opportunity, once again, to look into the Word of God, to study it together. And uh, we're still in the book of Genesis. And I don't know how this happened, but I got uh, to speak and uh, spend these next few moments with you talking about one of my favorite characters uh, in the Old Testament, and that's Joseph. Joseph. I have a few Old Testament favorites, and uh, Joseph is one of those. Caleb is another one, and the story of Caleb is just so amazing to me. There's an older man in the book of Joshua who steps out and says, I'm just going to keep following God no matter what, and I just I love that character. But Joseph happens to be one of the guys that I go back to often, and I, I think about his life often. And uh, you'll know why as we travel through. We're not going to get to spend... Uh, talk about all of the life of Joseph, but uh, I want to talk to you about Joseph and his dreams this morning uh, for a little while, and uh, I just want to bring a couple of thoughts to your mind uh, and and maybe encourage you to think about God in a little different manner. I love stories. Uh, I'm a guy who, I I love a really good written story. I, I uh, I like fictional stories. But really what I like is I like stories about individuals. I like stories that are uh, stories about people who, who walk through life, who did things that to us seem amazing, but to them it was just their everyday life. It's just who they were. Uh, I like to see the character of people uh, as, as their story unfolds. Uh, we were away for the last uh, three weeks on vacation, and, and when we go away as a family, we we stock our camper with books. We're, we're kind of weird. And actually, we had people who would walk by our campfire at night and say, that's amazing. All four of you are sitting at a campfire reading books. And, uh, 
And we, we do. We take all kinds of books and we just sit and read. And, and I take books often that are biographies or they're, they're, they're stories of people. It's their story. And one of the books that I read this last three weeks was on the Flying Tigers. And I don't know if you know anything about they're the beginning of the Second World War. And before the United States had joined the Second World War, there was a covert operation going on uh, out of China. Uh, the Japanese at that period of time were attacking China, and the U.S. was helping China. They were, they were supplying some, some ammunition and some uh, air support, and the Flying Tigers were a group that were off the books. They were not, uh, nobody knew that they were there, and uh, they were... They were over there, and they were fighting for China against the Japanese. And this book that, that has come out about it, and I believe that there's a movie probably out about it as well, uh, but this book was talking about uh, four or five of the fighter pilots uh, that were there and what they went through and how that, you know, there was no one coming for them if they got shot down and, and some of their stories of being shot down and getting back to, to their home base, which was somewhat hidden, and just what they went through and, and, and all of that and how they worked together to do what they did. And the story, reading the story is just so invigorating because you're thinking of how little they had to work with and how little knowing that your life is about to end at any moment and yet being so sold out for a cause that you're willing to put your life on the line every time you jump in the cockpit, every time you do whatever it is that you're doing. They did some really crazy things when you read the story, but they did it for freedom. They did it so that a group of people could remain free. And so stories often set the stage for us about big things that happen in life, but they're choices that people make in their life to do something that is very meaningful to them, something that that is way beyond who they are, that takes them to a place that they could not normally go in and of themselves because there's a cause, there's a mission, there's something bigger than them. And if you're a Christ follower here, well, everybody in this room, everybody in all these theaters, whoever is watching this morning, we all have a story. But if you're a Christ follower, your story is way bigger than you. The mission of your life, the point of your life is way bigger than your job. It's way bigger than what you have. It's way bigger than your family. It's, it's, it's so huge because what your story is really all about isn't you at all. It's the story of your God. It's the story of what God wants to do in you and through you. It's the story about what how God wants to make a difference in other people's lives because of you. And one thing that you may remember from way back when we started the book of Genesis, I did the first message about the book of Genesis in this series, and we talked about this, that the story of Adam and Eve really isn't the story about Adam and Eve at all. It's the story about God. And God created, and God saw that it was good. It was the story of God. And every, every story that we've talked about, all of the individuals that we've talked about since Adam and Eve until this morning, guess what? The story hasn't changed. 
It's all been a story about God and who God is and God revealing himself to those that he created in his image and that God had a purpose for mankind and God has a purpose for all of humanity. And it's like Sean was saying this morning, he was talking about the mysteries of God. Yeah, there's a lot of mysteries in the story, and the stories are amazing. And the person of God is so hard to understand so often. But guess what? God is still revealing himself to you and I in our stories as we live out our life. God wants you to see him as you live your everyday life. He wants to reveal himself to you. And this morning when we talk about Joseph and his dreams, it's not a story about Joseph and his dreams at all. It's a story about God's plan for mankind, God's plan for humanity, and how he chose to reach down and use the 11th son in a family, a young guy got to think about this when we read these verses in the next few minutes Joseph is only 17 some of you teens here hey that's you you're not even quite there yet but God prepares Joseph's heart at a very young age to do some pretty amazing things to help reveal God to mankind to work out the plan of God in humanity so here we are with Joseph and Joseph is He's, he's about 17. He's 11th son of Jacob. His mother is Rachel. Remember, he's in, a, he's in a family that's really strange. It's multiple mothers, many, many kids from multiple mothers. It's not how God ordained it, but it's what, what Jacob ends up doing. And his, the complete story of Joseph is found in, in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And if you have some time, take some time to reread that story because it's amazing Joseph is born into a family of shepherds, and we pick up this story. He's returning back after looking after the flocks, and his dad had sent him out to, to check on his brothers, and, and uh, Joseph is, is not liked by his brothers. His brothers are a bit wild, if you read, and you, you, you kind of see the story there of what's going on, and, uh, and for different reasons, Joseph is not liked by his brothers at all. And he comes back and, and he, had, he had made a report to his dad. And his, his dad likes him more than all of the other brothers. That's not Joseph's fault. It's, it's Joseph is, is a, a special child. He's born in, his, in, in Jacob's older age. And Rachel, uh, the, the, the gal that, that, Joseph, that, that Jacob really loved and had spent a lot of time trying to, to buy her basically from her father, and he, he got tricked in the middle of all that. And so Rachel was his favorite wife. And, and Joseph was born uh, from Rachel. And so Joseph is loved by Jacob more than the rest of the brothers. And that's, that's not on, on Joseph. That's on his dad. This family is not perfect, by the way. You need to get this picture in your mind. I'm trying to help you understand that. That it's a broken family, a lot like ours. These are humans who, who are sinful humans who struggle with life the same way we do. There's no difference. We often read Old Testament stories and we read characters in the Bible and we put them on a pedestal when we read them because they're in the Bible, but they're still human. They still have a sin nature. They still struggle with life the same way we do. And that's the family that Joseph was born into. His dad liked him so much that he had a special coat made for him and that made him stand out even more from his brothers and it made him so that his brothers didn't like him 
even more. And if we pick the story up in Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 and 4, let me read this. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a long sleeve robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And if you keep reading the story, it keeps saying this, and they hated him all the more. <laughs> it wasn't just like a passing, you know, shove as you're going down the hall. I don't like you, shove you into the wall. That's not it. It's not like a, a brother rival, rivalry here where, you know, you, you find some ways to do some mean things. They hated him. It's not just a, a little teeny dislike. It's hate. Joseph had been sent out to check the flocks, and he, he brought a bad report back on the brothers, too, and made them hate them all the more, if you read the story. And then Joseph kind of makes it a little bit worse for himself. Let me read a couple other verses in verse chapter 37. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. See, this is getting deep. There's a lot of hate. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in a field, and suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed to mine. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? And they hated him even more because of his dreams and what he had said. And then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers and his father this time. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and the 11 stars all bowed down to me. My parents and the brothers all bowed down to me. Now, in your life, this may seem strange that Joseph has a dream and he shares it with his brothers and they get ticked about the dream, okay? But you have to understand something about this dream. If you look at the book of Genesis, you'll notice that 10, 10, 11 times in the book of Genesis, there are dreams recorded that are very significant dreams and they are direct, directly from God to mankind. Joseph's father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather, they all had these events that took place in their life where God showed up to them in a dream and gave them very specific directions, things that they needed to do for problems that they were facing in life, thing, events that were going on in their life, or a direction that they needed to go in life. And this is one of the ways that God spoke to them and talked to them. And so in Joseph's life and in his family's life, this is all very real. This is a revelation of God to them. This isn't strange. This isn't out of place. Remember, they're living in an oral tradition and those traditions of those dreams would have been spoken down through the ages to each one. Remember when God came to your grandfather and said this. Remember when your God came to your great-grandfather and said this. Remember when your God came to your father and told your father this. This is why we are where we are today, because God directed us in these events of our lives, and he spoke to us, and he told us what to do. Folks, just stop for a minute. I want you to think. See this? What is this? This is not a trick question. It's your Bible. What is your Bible? It's the word of, it's the spoken word of God. God reveals himself 
to us as individuals and families through what? The spoken word of God. And the same way that God spoke to Joseph's great-great-grandfather and his great-father and his father, God wants to do that in your family too. And he wants to do that in you. And he has revealed himself to you and to me through the word of God. And he wants us to take the revealed word of God and apply it to our life and then to share with our families the reason we're going in this direction is because God told us to. God spoke to us. This is what God says to us. This is the direction we should go. Those families, though they were sinful families and though they did, if you read the book of Genesis, everything is in there. It's a soap opera alive in the book of Genesis, by the way. Everything you can imagine is in there. They are sinful people living in a sin-cursed world and they are dealing with the sin of humanity. And yet God revealed himself to them. Same way he does, because we live in a sin curse. We have a sinful heart and a sinful nature. And yet God wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to point us in the right direction. And moms and dads and grandparents, he wants you to look at your kids and your grandkids and say, look, I am doing this because God told me this is what I should do. The spoken word. That's what Joseph would have had. These dreams would not have been out of place. They wouldn't have been strange. And the reason why his brothers get so upset is because it's God's word that Joseph is talking. This isn't Joseph's fault. Yeah, he may have been a little immature. But people go down the road of saying, you know, Joseph was a hothead and, 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 and Joseph, he brought this stuff on him. I don't believe that. I think you're reading into the scripture when you do that. It's not what it tells us at all. It simply tells us this, that Joseph spoke the truth of what God had revealed to him. And his brothers were not in a good place, and, they are, and his dad wasn't in a good place because how his dad had treated him already. And they didn't want to hear what was going on. What Joseph said was right. God had given him a dream, and the dream was really important, and it mattered. And you're going to see why it matters. Remember that his brothers hated him so much that whatever it is that they're going to say, that he's going to say, they're going to, they're going to see it through a grid of dislike, of hate, and suspicion. They don't like him at all, and they don't want to hear from him. Now, what, what is important for us to be aware of as we read this? is that God is going to use Joseph and he's going to use these dreams that Joseph has to fulfill a promise that he had made, a covenant that he made or, or a statement that he had made to Abram a long time before. Joseph's great, great grandfather. If you go back to Genesis chapter 15, let me read these for you. I want you to see how God just works things out. Look at this. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 to 14, the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in the land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve and afterward they will go out with many possessions. That's Abram. God spoke to Abram and he said, hey, look, I need you to understand something. There's something coming. Remember I told you I would make you a great nation and you're not yet? You don't even have a child? You don't have anybody yet? Well, know this. 
that my promise, I'm going to fulfill it, but, but your people are going to spend 400 years as slaves. You think about Abram way back there. This is the promise of God to Abram. And he's got nothing yet. And it hasn't happened yet by Joseph's time. And God is setting a stage where he's getting ready to fulfill a covenant that he made years before. And he says, look, I have a, I have a way that this is all going to work out. And Joseph, you're going to be one of, the, the, one of the elements, one of the little cogs that I'm going to use to fulfill the plan that I have for the people that I am making a special people. Hey, folks, God wants to use you in the same way. He does. Joseph didn't have a clue what God was about to do. He had no idea. We look at these stories because we read the whole story and we condense it and we put it all together and go, wow, they knew what God was going to do. That's so cool. Of course I would do that. I'd know what God was going to do. He didn't know. He didn't have a clue. He's just a 17-year-old boy who's looking after the sheep. He's just doing what he does. He's just living life in and out. He has no clue what's about to come. Same way you don't. You don't have any clue what God wants to do through you. You don't have any clue the people that God wants to speak to and to touch through you. You have no clue. Joseph didn't. None of us do. Say it. We could say it together. We have no clue. We could say that because it's true. We don't. But God is always at work. God is always at work. God always keeps his word. You can count on it. When God makes a promise, when God makes a statement, he's going to keep his word. And what he had said to Abram, he's going to fulfill and start to fulfill through the person of Joseph. You may be sitting here this morning waiting for God to do something in your life. You have a ministry that you're involved in that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. You've been living out life. You've been trying to do things. But know this, God always keeps his word. He's always at work in us. He is doing something in in you that you don't have a clue what the outcome will be. Be faithful. Be faithful. Continue to say yes to God. Because he's always at work. God always keeps his word. God's timing is not our timing. How many know that here? If you've been watching with our building, is God's timing our timing? No, it is not. If, if, you, if you're living life, if you're breathing, are you breathing today? If you're breathing, you know this, that God's timing is not your timing. It's very different. You know what I learned in my life? I'm a do-it guy. I like things to happen yesterday. You know what I've been learning over the last 50, it's hard to say that out loud, the last 50 years of my life? God is not slow at keeping his promise, but he's patient. That's what I've been learning. God's work is done in his time, in his way, for his glory. And you're going to see that in this guy, in Joseph's life, in Joseph's life. Let Let me walk you through the next few years of Joseph's life in this dream. And I'm going to do it in a really snapshot. Mike's going to talk about uh, a couple more things next week about Joseph. But let me give you this this snapshot. And I want you to think about your own life when I give you this snapshot. Because I want you to be honest about your life and where you've been and what's gone on in your life. And some of you are sitting here this morning and you're asking the question why. And you've been asking it for a long time about your life. Why was I born into the family I was born into? Why have I struggled in these areas of my life? Why haven't the things that I've tried worked out the way I wanted? 
Why are my kids where my kids are? Why can't I count on certain things in my life that I want to count on? And you have all these things that are going through. You all have a story that's playing in your head about your own life. And you all have events that you know about that maybe other people don't. And you've asked God about those events and you've wondered about those events. And I want you to think about those as I talk through Joseph's life because what I want you to realize is that God's promises is that he uses everything. And he will use it for his glory. And he will use it to bring other people to a a redeeming relationship with Jesus Christ, if you'll let him. And Joseph has done the same thing. And so I don't want you to just hear the story of Joseph. I want you to see your own life. I want you to see the story of you. And I want you to see where you're holding out. Where maybe you're blaming God where God shouldn't be blamed. It's not God's fault. And maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, but God, I don't see how you're going to use this and you really just need to let go and and let God do what he's going to do. And you're going to see that in Joseph. Let me run you through it. I'm going to do it fairly quickly. God's timing is not often our timing. And Joseph, as a young man, 17 years old, had these dreams and he stood before his family and he said, look, I, I don't know what this means and I don't know what this looks like, but God is saying that at some point, You're all going to bow before me. I don't know what he's doing. And then Joseph's life takes a turn, and it's pretty dramatic. After his dreams, his brothers, in a very short time, see him coming across the fields, and his father's not around. And his brothers say, man, we hate him. Man, it would be awesome if he was wiped off the face of the earth. Man, it would be really cool if we just killed him. And one of his brothers stands up and says, no, let's, let's not kill him. And his intent was, was to pull him and save him later. And so his brothers took him, and instead of killing him, they, they ripped his, his coat off him, and they threw him down in a well. And, and some, some traders, some slave traders were going by, and so they said, hey, let's do this. Let's, instead of killing him, let's sell him. Let's make some money off him. And so that's what they do. They pull him up out of the cistern that he was in, the well that he was in, and they sell them off to the slave traders and they, they kill a sheep and they wipe the blood all over the coat and they send it back to their dad and say, oh, a wild animal must have got him, he's dead. And of course his dad is in fits. One of his, his favorite son is gone. And Joseph is sold off. A 17-year-old is sold down into Egypt. And if you looked on a map, you'd realize that from where Joseph was to where he was sold is a 250, 280 mile track across the desert. And he's taken down into Egypt and Potiphar picks him up at a slave sale and buys him. He's a healthy young man. He'll do well. So Potiphar buys him and puts him into his house and starts him working in his house. And and scripture tells us this, that God was with Joseph and And he did really well. He was full of integrity and he was a hard worker. His father had taught him well to work. And he worked really well. And he works himself up to the place where he's number two in the house. Only Potiphar is above him. And all of the house of Potiphar is under his control because God was with him and everybody saw it. And he's doing really well. And then he gets falsely accused. And Potiphar takes the false accusation against him and takes Joseph and throws him in prison. It's not just any prison. It's not a normal jail. It's the king's prison because Potiphar is the captain of the guard. He's got sway. And he's put in the dungeon in the prison. But God was with Joseph. 
And Joseph, once again, did what he knew. He worked hard, and he was full of integrity, and he did really well. And the captain of the guard saw what Joseph did, and he takes Joseph, and he says, hey, you're doing really well. I'm going to get you looking after some of the prisoners. And the next thing you know, the warden of the, of the prison says, man, this guy is really good. And the Bible tells us this, that the warden takes Joseph and places him in number two again, and he doesn't think about the prison at all. He just lets Joseph do it. And then God uses dreams again. Remember the dreams? And there's some dreams that happen that nobody understands. And they come to Joseph and they say, hey, you're the dreamer guy. Hey, tell us a little, what's this dream mean? And Joseph explains it. And he says, hey, when you leave here, because you're going to get out, one of them is, the other's going to lose his head. But when you get out, remember me. That's what the dream, read it. It's a great story. Remember me, the guy forgets. And Joseph is still, for another two years, left down in the prison. He's hanging out in the prison. He's doing the last thing God told him. Be faithful. Be full of integrity. Do the best you possibly can. Hanging out in a prison, in a dungeon. And he does it. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream that nobody understands. Remember the dreams that God gave to Joseph? He has a dream that nobody understands. And the guy remembers, oh yeah, there's Joseph, the dream. He's the guy that understands dreams. Pull Joseph. So they bring Joseph before, God, before Pharaoh. And here's what I love about Joseph. He stands, they clean him up. I love this story. Part of it. Read it because it's awesome. He goes from being in the dungeon, they clean him up on the way to Pharaoh. You know, they shave him, they get him clean, put new clothes on him and stand him in front of Pharaoh. I'd be nervous because you could lose your head pretty easily. And he stands in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him the dream and says, hey, I hear you're the guy who understands dreams. And Joseph says, no, you got it wrong. Read it. This is what he says. He says, you got it wrong. It's not me. It's my God. He can interpret dreams. And so he tells Pharaoh what the dream means. And he says, you read it. He says this, Pharaoh, you're going to have seven years of plenty where this country is going to be full of all the blessings of God, all that you could ever want. And then you're going to see seven years of incredible famine and people are going to be crying for food and they're going to be starving to death. And God is telling you, get your, get your stuff in order because it's going to matter. And Pharaoh looks at him and he looks at his wise advisors and he says, hey, does anybody see anyone else who has the Spirit of God upon him except for this man? Because Joseph was faithful to God and full of integrity and lived his life according to God's way, Pharaoh, the ruler of the nation, looks at Joseph and says, hey, make him number two. Give him my ring. Give him my cloak. Make sure everybody knows he's number two. Whatever he says, you do it. Because the Spirit of God is upon him. And so Joseph, once again, does what he's done all along. He lives his life full of integrity. He does the job he's been asked to do, and he does it to the best of his ability, honoring God. And the end of seven years come, and the plenty's gone, and the famine hits. And not only does the famine hit Egypt, the famine hits all of the surrounding nations. And here's God's plan. God's plan's at work. He knew that if he caused a famine in all the surrounding areas, guess who would come for food? Because Joseph had done his job. His own family would come for food. And sure enough, out of the desert one day, on their racing camels, comes the boys. And they're starving and their families are looking for food. And they come and guess what they do? They get down off their candle, camels and who's number two? Who's looking after the food? Who was given responsibility of the food? Who? Joseph. 
And they get down off their camels and they walk up in front. And what do they do? What did the dream say? They would bow before Joseph. And guess what they did? They bowed before Joseph. And a little while longer, you read the story, his whole family ends up coming and bowing before him. His dad and his my everybody, they're all there. But it's not about Joseph, folks. That's what you've got to understand. Remember what God had told Abram back in chapter 15? Remember what he said? He said, I'm going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to take that nation and I'm going to place them for 400 years under slavery. And what, what none of us understood and what Abram didn't understand and Joseph didn't, none of those people understood was that it was under slavery in Egypt that that nation would blow up in size and go from just a few people in a family to a million plus people in those 400 years. And God had to, and I'm saying this wrong, I know this, but God had to get the nation of Israel, that little group of people, from where they were to where he wanted them so that they could grow and become the nation that he wanted. And he could use that nation to judge the nation of Egypt later, which is what he does. Back to the center. Who are we talking about? Joseph and his dreams, it's not about Joseph, right? Who's it about? It's about God. It's about God's plan being worked out in Joseph's heart and his life. What was Joseph doing all that time? He's just living faithfully for God. He never, what I love about Joseph in all the events that we hear about Joseph, and he probably had his day. I'm not, not trying to paint him out to be somebody he's not. But in all of the events that happen in Joseph's life, I never hear a complaint. I see a lot of trust. I see a lot of faith. I see a lot of living life the way he knows he needs to live for God. But I don't see a lot of complaints. You know what I see in my life? And I have to live with me, so I know me pretty well. I look at God and I say, why? I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to walk through this. Instead of just living faithfully for God and saying, God, I don't see the big picture, and I don't really know what you're all about, but I know you've got this. God always keeps his promise. God always fulfills his promise. Two thoughts I'm going to end with, and we're done this morning, is this. In every event that happened in Joseph's life, God was with him. In every event that happens in your life, God is with you. God is with you. In every event that happens in your life, God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is your helper. He is your sustainer. He is the one who keeps you. In Matthew 28, when he sent the disciples out, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. That is his promise to you. Whatever event you're facing, God is with you. Thought number two I want you to get. God's plan for humanity will always be completed. He's going to walk Joseph through a series of, those were hard events, those were difficult days, but God was going to complete what he was going to do, and he will do the same for you. He will do the same in you. God will complete the work that he has in you, that's his promise. Philippians says it this way, 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work will what? He will carry it out 
to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me this morning as we close. And I want you to read this verse with me. If you're a believer here in Jesus Christ this morning, you got to know this. God is with you. The story of your life is not about you. It's about what God wants to do in and through you. God's promise is that he will be with you. He will use you for his glory. He will use you to draw humanity to himself. He wants to reveal himself through you the same way he did with Joseph. Now, Joseph's story is big, and we read it, and it's amazing. But he wants to do the same in you. Would you read with me? Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this. I am sure of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. Good job. I, I flipped him. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that what Jesus Christ has started in you, he will complete? He will finish? I know he will, because it's who he is. He's God, and this is the story of God being worked out in us, in us individually, in us corporately as a body of believers, but in his church worldwide. He's revealing himself and telling his story, and he uses us to do that. Father, thank you for the picture that we have in Joseph's life. There are so many wonderful truths that are found in his life. But Lord, that was his life. And you've given us a life to live here. You've given us a story to walk out here in the Oxford Hills. And the same truths that you presented to Joseph, the same things that you've proved in Joseph's life, that, you, life, that you're faithful, that you're just, that you work all things out. You want to do that in us. Grant us the courage to have the faith to follow you and to live our lives for you each day. Help us not to see all of the events that are happening, but to see you. Help us to be a revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ to the people we live life with. Grant us the courage to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.